We want to talk just a little bit here now on the subject of being a witness of personal evangelism. When I was growing up, my father, as a Christian, my father used to talk about five to thrive. Five key things, not in total that there is to the Christian life, but five key things that every Christian ought to do. Number one, be faithful to church. Number two, read your Bible. Number three, pray. Number four, give your tithes and offerings. And number five, witness and tell people about Jesus. Of all five of those things, the hardest for me has always been to be a witness. And you might not think that being a preacher. You might think, you know, Lord's called you to preach. You have no problem going in anywhere, going to a McDonald's, going to a Publix, go to a Walmart, a guy on a bus stop at a bench, anywhere, anytime. You'll talk to somebody about Jesus. But if I'm honest with you, if I'm absolutely honest, I can't tell you how many times I've walked away from somebody in my life knowing that I should have given them a track, I should have invited them to church, I should have talked to them about the Lord, but I didn't. It is a hard thing. And I think the reason that it is so hard is because it is so spiritual. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 6 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And we wrestle, though, against principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, the battles that you and I face are spiritual. And witnessing of all that we can do is tremendously spiritual. There's no doubt in my mind that if Satan can keep you from church and keep you from reading your Bible, he'll do that. If he can keep you from praying, if he can keep you from giving, he'll do that. But I think one of the things that Satan fights the most is our testimony. The way that we live, showing the Lord Jesus Christ in our life, and maybe even more so, or at least equally so, opening our mouth and asking somebody about their soul. And we have to be honest, it's hard in the day in which we live. You talk to somebody and you never know what you get. You might get an absolute nut. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people and you ask them about the Lord or you try to talk to them about the Lord and you talk about a smorgasbord, dysfunctional, eclectic bunch of beliefs that they have. They don't even know what they believe, but they spout on for an hour and you think, good night, what in the world did I get myself into? Sometimes you talk to somebody and they're just so mean. The fact of the matter is most of the people that you talk to, they're indifferent. So it can be difficult at times, I think, to be the witness that we should be. But I do believe with all my heart that as a Christian, you can't go too long in the Christian life without being convicted to one degree or another that you ought to be more of a witness. If we believe what we say we believe, if we believe there's a hell, if we believe there's a heaven, if we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, then the fact is evangelism, being a witness, should take high priority. I like the study of the Bible. I like the study of the Bible in relation to other things going on. I like prophecy. I like the mysteries and the wonders of Scripture. But the the sad truth is, is that I think sometimes we major on that and we minor on something that is near to the heart of God, and that is being a witness. Now, there are two ways 
I think. There, I'm not talking so much about your personal life, living in sin or that kind of thing. But for a Christian, there are two ways, I believe, for God to really close the door on revelation and power in your life. The first way for God to begin to close the door on power and revelation and vitality is to reject his words. You reject the words of the living God. Slowly but surely, God will reject you. That's one of the reasons why I believe the Reformation text in the King James Bible is such an important issue. As soon as you elevate education, or Greek, or self, above the words of the living God given to you in English, um, you're on the pathway, I really believe you're on the pathway of God removing his hand off of you, and your ability to have vitality and revelation and illumination in the words of God. In other words, you're going to get dry. But a second way to get dry is to have nothing but honey and never have any work of evangelism. And what I mean by that is found in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 16. The Bible says, Hast thou found honey? Eat so much as is sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomit it. The Bible also says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 27, The full soul loatheth a honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. The reality is, is that sometimes we get so full, we get so full of Bible study and Bible note-taking and church attendance and programs and youth and Awana and prayer and all of these different things. We get so filled with the honey that after a while we just get fat and bloated and sick and indifferent. When in reality what we need to be doing is working up an appetite. I remember years ago when I was working at a landscape company in Chicago. Nothing to me tasted as good as that ice cold water coming out of that big Gatorade water cooler tied to the side of that truck. Now the fact is I go home this afternoon, I've got Diet Dr. Pepper, I've got Coke Zero, I've got iced tea, I've got orange juice, I've got milk, I've got Gatorade. You know, water, I can't stand it. I don't care anything about it. You know why? Because I'm filled up with all the other stuff. But, but, you let me be hot and tired and put in a 12 or 14 hour day working out there in the sun, working out there laboring, that water is mighty sweet and mighty good. And I really believe that in my heart. I think much of our modern academia has lost that. Modern Christianity has lost that. We look at the Apostle Paul and we treat him as if he's some theologian. We treat him as if he's some bookish man, when in reality, if you read Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 17, you will find that he was a preacher first and foremost. He didn't come to baptize, he didn't come to be a great theologian, and if that's what he was remembered for, I believe with all my heart, he would be tremendously disappointed. He came to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think about those disciples in Acts chapter number 1, trying to figure out at what time and how and when Jesus was going to set up the kingdom. It was a legitimate question. There are truths about those things. It's not necessarily sinful or wrong, but Jesus said, you need to keep your priorities straight. The times and seasons are in the hands of God. Your job is to be a witness. Go out into the world and reach people with the gospel. 
If you're a Christian and listening to this, I know it's hard. I know of all that we do, it's probably the most difficult task that we have. But if you're a mom and a Christian, if you're a dad and a Christian, if you're a truck driver and a Christian, if you're sitting in a cubicle and you're a Christian, if you're a teenager and you're a Christian, or a college student and a Christian, you are a Christian. And part of being a follower of Christ is being a witness. Now what I simply want to do is just give you maybe a couple, I hate to even say points, but maybe, maybe just a couple thoughts that I want you to think about and keep in mind. First of all, as I mentioned earlier, witnessing is spiritual battle. It is spiritual conflict. And because of that, you need to go into witnessing, understanding that it rarely, if ever, feels good. It rarely, if ever, feels natural. That there is an enemy fighting you. And that it is going to be difficult. I can't stress this enough. Um, It's important that you understand. Fighting is not fun. Warfare is not romantic. It isn't cute. It isn't sweet. It is bloody. It is hard. It is difficult. Now, I'm not trying to scare you away from being a witness. But I do believe in my mind and in my heart that a lot of Christians need to have that understanding. That's one of the problems with maybe some of the programs and the things that we go through. We practice and we have the programs and I say this and you say that back and then I'll respond this way and the person responds back. I'll tell you something, that's not the way it is in the real world. It's difficult. It's hard. You're not going to feel like it. You're never going to, rarely if ever, are you going to feel like witnessing. Rarely, if ever, are they going to react the way that you want them to react. And I can promise you that every time you commit to opening your mouth in any way, shape, or form about being a witness for the gospel, you have got an enemy, and you have got the attention of the powers of darkness. Now, experience will help you. The more that you witness, the more you will become experienced to the feelings and the sights and the sounds and the rebuttals and the arguments and the excuses. But you can't engage in witnessing once or twice a year and expect to have all the answers. You can't engage in witnessing once or twice a year and expect to feel comfortable talking to other people. You can't. You have to make a commitment to just dive in and witness. You have to do it. Whether it's your mom and dad, whether it's your brother, your sister, your friends or family, you can't sit around waiting for the perfect moment or waiting for you to feel led of the Lord You just got to jump in there with guns blazing and go at it. And the second thing is really tied into what I was just saying, and that is don't expect a welcome mat to be laid out for you. Few, if ever, times is somebody going to say, hey, will you tell me about your personal faith in Christ? Hey, will you tell me how to get to heaven? Hey, will you explain to me why my life is a mess? Hey, will you tell me about the judgment of God and hell and heaven and righteousness and temperance and, and the world to come? They're not going to do that. You have to be offensive in your witnessing. And by that I mean you have to be aggressive. You have to strike first. Say first. Speak first. Men, women, we've got to do it. Because they're not going to ask you. Now I know that there is a time and a place for lifestyle evangelism. I know that our conduct and our words our priorities and our lifestyle and our our reaction to trials, all of those can and do 
testify to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. But that is not enough. When Cornelius, in the book of Acts chapter 10, had that vision and the angel was telling him about Peter, he said, you go get Peter because he's going to speak to you the words of this life. It is important that you and I speak the words. We have to talk about the gospel. It's uncomfortable, as I mentioned. It's difficult. And most of the time, most people are doing everything they can to avoid the gospel, to avoid eternity, to avoid God, to avoid their conscience. So you are certainly shaking the hornet's nest. But you have to understand that if you don't speak up and say something, they're not going to ask. Another point that I want to remind you of is that if you are sincere, and if you are on target with the gospel, you're not going to fail because the Holy Spirit is working with you. Sow the seed. The seed is the word. Have a good Bible verse that you can use. Share people with people your personal testimony. Speak up. Don't be afraid and don't be intimidated. You don't have to have all the right answers. I'm going to be honest with you, as a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, there have been many times and many conversations that I have walked away from people feeling like I just got my butt handed to me. I didn't have the right answer, and I stumbled and stammered and got confused and quoted the wrong verse and had the wrong reference and didn't know what to say and never heard of this issue and didn't know this and didn't know that. But at the end of the day, none of that stuff matters. God never called us to be theologians first. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not what he called. He never called us to have all the right answers. He never called us to solve everybody's personal problems or all of that. He said, ye shall be witnesses unto me. And we are to witness what Jesus Christ has done for us through the gospel. You cannot fail. You say, I want to witness to my dad, but I'm not sure what to say. Witness your testimony. Witness the gospel. Sow the seed. Let the Holy Spirit deal with it. You're not going to fail if you give the word in the right spirit and in the right heart. You cannot fail. You might not lead him to the Lord right then. You might walk away feeling like you didn't have all the right answers and everything together. But the Bible says his word, Isaiah 55, shall not return unto him void. You sow that seed and trust the Holy Spirit. Another thing I think is important is that we don't be reactive when we're witnessing that we stay the course. An example, trying to witness to somebody, well, where'd Cain get his wife? What does that have to do with anything? The end of the day. Don't let those kind of questions intimidate you. Well, how do you know that the Bible is true? Well, what do you think about the homosexual agenda in America? And well, this and well, that. and well, Hey, don't, don't react to that kind of stuff. You stick with the cross. You stick with sin. You stick with righteousness. You stick with the truth of what Jesus Christ has done. Let me tell you something. There are universal truths according to Romans chapter 2. There's not a man or a woman anywhere, anywhere on God's green earth that doesn't have a conscience and the law of God written in their heart. And when you give them the law and give them the gospel, it doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. The Holy Spirit can take that and bring them to a place of salvation or bring them to a place of conviction or at least implant that seed to where it can be used and developed at a later time. Don't be reactive. 
Don't be afraid to say, I don't have the answer to that question. I don't know where Cain got his wife, but I know that I was a sinner before a holy God. You know why I know I was a sinner? The Bible said, thou shalt not lie, and I've lied. The Bible said, thou shalt not commit adultery, and I lusted. The Bible said, thou shalt have no other gods before me, and I've put other things before God. I'm an idolater. The Bible says this, 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 and I have broken this, 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 this. I am a sinner. I needed a Savior. Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God who lived a perfect life for me, died a perfect death for me, rose a perfect resurrection for me, and I'm trusted in him as my personal Savior. And mom, dad, brother, friend, neighbor, co-worker, that's the only way you're going to get to heaven and miss hell is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know I just put that rough and I just put it quick, but the point I'm trying to get across is not for you to emulate the exact way I just said it, but it's for you to stay on task. Well, what about evolution? I don't have all the answers for that, and I'm not in the business of debating that. I'm in the business of telling you about the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul, in Acts chapter 18, was on Mars Hill, he did not debate philosophy. He did not debate philosophy. He gave them the gospel. Another thing that I think is important is that we make sure that we have some tools at our disposal. In other words, you do need to have some sort of plan. Have a testimony. Have your testimony set up and memorized and thought out in such a way that takes your testimony through the gospel. You don't want to spend an hour telling them how, how much of a drunk you were. You don't want to spend an hour telling them of how miserable your life was. You need to take your testimony and wrap it around the main pillars of the gospel. That we're sinners. That we're under the judgment of God that the wages of sin is death, that Jesus died and rose again for your sins, and that for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wrap your testimony around that. Have some pre-marked Bible verses that you can go to. Always, at all times, in your purse and in your car and in your briefcase and in your office cubicle and on the kitchen table, have you a Bible there so that you can take people to the words of God. Simple gospel truth. First uh, John 5, he that hath the Son hath life. John 3.16, First uh, John 2.21, this is the promise he has given us, even eternal life. Another thing I think is important in being a witness is being aggressively creative. Write letters, write cards with the gospel in it, have tracts on hand, send out handwritten notes, ask your waiter or your waitress if they have a particular prayer request that you can pray for them this week and need that they have. When you drop off your clothes at the laundromat, have a gospel CD of a good gospel message you can give to people. In other words, don't just sit back, but go at it. Do what you can do. I know that I've only touched base on this just a little bit, but if nothing else, I want you to get this. We're called to be witnesses. We're called to be witnesses. And we've got to do it. We can't sit back and wait. We can't sit back and say, well, I've witnessed to my co-worker and so I guess that's it. No. We need to be aggressively, intentionally, outwardly looking for people that we can witness to. Don't be intimidated. Don't be fearful. Don't have some strange, weird, romantic expectation. Get out there in the fight for the Lord Jesus Christ and get the gospel out. And if you'll do that, God will bless you. 
And you never know. You might just come across that one who needs amazing grace.